Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Um, today's episode will be the last of the residency series, part six, and we will be briefly going over the match process and also um, really going into what happens when you don't match, okay? So today I'll be your host, Joven Lazo, and I also have Dr. Sean Harris with me. We'll be interviewing one of my co-residents at Advent Health Celebration, Dr. Crystal Velez. Um, but before we get into the how to deal with phase two of the match process, just wanted to briefly just touch on the first part, so the phase one. So basically, after you send in all your applications and you did all your interviews, it's just a waiting game. You'll be nervous, you'll be unsure, but you went ahead and ranked it, you're confident in your decision um, as far as your choices on how you rank them, and now you're just waiting. So basically how you'll find out is through an email on match day. I believe you'll find out around 8 a.m., maybe 9 a.m. I had some colleagues that decided to not go to, they kind of scheduled it so they could have that day off just in case they didn't match, so that way they could prepare for phase two, or just in case um, they didn't match and they were upset and maybe go a different way with their career. So that's something that you could consider, but basically it'll be an email that kind of lets you know that you match, or in my case, um, uh, I got an email from one of my preceptors that said congratulations, and I was like, how does this person know <laughs> where I'm matching? And then I, it, it hit me, I was like, oh, I match with them, so that makes sense that they know. Um, so I think maybe the programs find out a little bit before you, because I got my email from her before the ASHP emailed me to let me know where I matched. That's basically how it goes. If you match, definitely celebrate, enjoy this moment. It's surreal. You've been waiting for this maybe at least four years um, to kind of figure out your career and go in that direction. And this is something that you should celebrate, you should be happy about, and you should definitely, definitely take the time to appreciate your hard work and enjoy it with um, your colleagues, your friends, and your family. Now, if you don't match, that's where it gets kind of tricky and you have the whole phase two process. So I would encourage you that if you matched to definitely reach out to your fellow co-residents to see if they match um, and just offer some words of encouragement and let them know that you're there to help them. They're not alone. People, there's a lot of people that unfortunately will not match phase one, but they are able to match phase two. And Crystal is a great example of this. That's why I'm super glad she's going to be on today's episode to kind of explain her process and how she overcame the trials and tribulations of not matching phase one and now doing it through phase two. Okay, so if anybody out there doesn't match phase one, please, please, please feel free to reach out to me reach out to Dr. Sean Harris or reach out to Dr. Crystal Velez and we are here to help you. We'll offer words of encouragement and any advice that we can to help you get situated and ready for phase two, okay? That's basically it. I hope you all enjoyed today's episode. I hope you all enjoyed the residency series. Um, if there's any extra questions, please, please feel free to reach out. Don't hesitate. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, whatever is your preference for social media please feel free to reach out. I'll give you my phone number. We can text, talk on the phone. We can do a Zoom meeting, whatever the case is. Anything I can do to help, uh, please, please, please reach out to me because I know how stressful this process was and I know how fortunate I was to have a lot of um, previous upperclassmen be willing to help me and really ease and calm my nerves, prepare me 
for the residency interview and the whole entire experience, okay? So anybody out there listening that, that wants some additional help, wants some additional advice, Sean and I are here for you. And um, anybody that hasn't gone through that phase two or have to go through that phase two experience, please, please, please reach out to me, myself, reach out to Sean, or reach out to Dr. Christopher Les, and we'll try to get you prepared for that, all right? Okay, guys, hope you enjoy this episode. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Capsule Production Podcast. Today, I'll be your host, Joe Malazzo, and I'm with my good buddy, Dr. Sean Harris. How are you today, Sean? Doing well. I'm excited to have our very, very special guest on this podcast. If you want to go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, my name is Crystal Velez. I'm PGY1 resident um, in the acute care program at Advent Health Celebration. I'm a recent graduate of the University of Florida College of Pharmacy, along with my friends here, Sean and Joven. I'm very excited to be here. Yes, well, we're excited to have you here. This is my first time getting a co-resident on the podcast, so I'm truly honored that it that it's you, and um, we're glad to have you. I think this might be the first time we have a fellow colleague as well, besides Riley. So a lot of accolades going to you today, Crystal. So basically, today's episode, we're going to kind of focus in on the phase two of the match experience, okay? A lot of people just based off the numbers, we'll go ahead and match phase one, right? Mm -hmm. But of course, there will be some people that even though they're great candidates, they didn't match phase one. So they have to go through the phase two experience. And Crystal was one of those individuals that did go through it. And she ended up matching with celebration, Evan Health celebration. So Crystal, just to kind of start off, what was that experience like? And how was it different from phase one? So phase two was the same, but it was also very different in terms of the timeline. Timeline, I think that was the hardest part because you have so much time, it feels like for phase one to get all your um, your letters of intent in order, to get all, all your letters of rec in order. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it feels like you have at least, you know, a few months to get all that sorted. And then phase two is the complete opposite. As soon as phase two opens, the deadlines start pouring in. I think some of the more popular programs had their deadlines set within like two or three days wow. after the ranking was released, which was, you know, the hardest part to get used to because you're in the middle of, you know, your rotations as a student. And now you have this added pressure of trying to get these new applications sent out um, within, you know, just a couple of days, which, you know, on top of already not matching was an added stress. But I mean, that has its pros and cons. It was good because you got your answers a lot sooner in terms of, um, if you were going to get an interview or not, I feel like the whole process was just much more consolidated. Um, whereas in phase one, I feel like you went a really long time without knowing, you know, without hearing back. Some people don't hear back at all. Um, but I feel like phase two, you, you knew pretty soon after if you were going to be extended an interview or not. And then if you were extended interview, the process went by a lot faster. Um, interviews were shorter. It wasn't a whole day affair like it was around like, you know, during phase one. Um, I feel like interviews now are maybe like two, three hours tops because the programs are in a rush to match people. Um, so they didn't really have that kind of time that they had in phase one, which is an added pressure because now you have even less time to kind of make yourself stand out as a candidate because they still are interviewing a lot of people. There's still a lot of people, a lot of good candidates that in matching phase one that are in this phase two process with you. So you still have to try to stand out, um, but you have even less time to do so. So, I mean... It had its pros and cons. I did like that it was a little bit faster paced because you know it kind of put you at ease. Like, yes, I'm gonna be interviewing here or no. 
Um, but obviously with that comes the pressure of having to get everything done in a much shorter amount of time. Definitely. And you still had to do letter of intents to each site, even mm-hmm. when they turn around. Yeah, that's going to be mm-hmm. tough. Yeah, some places did kind of not lighten their recommendations, but they did change them a little bit to make it a little bit easier, I think, for them to go through candidates, because obviously they don't have as much time to sit there and sort through all these candidates. But they still have a lot of them still did have those basic requirements of a letter of um, intent and then, you know, certain amount of letters of recommendation from certain preceptors like you do in, in phase one. So there were some changes. The biggest kind of thing for me to realize, which I didn't realize this going into phase two, but, you know, in phase one, everybody has a preset deadline. You have a deadline of whatever day that, you know, is set and it's not going to change. Phase two is not like that. A program can have a deadline, but then receive enough applicants that they close that deadline. Oh, wow. I didn't know that either. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't realize that at first until I was kind of going through and I was realizing like some of these deadlines are closing before. And then I talked to a, a pharmacist that I was with and she said, yeah, once they get enough applicants, like they will just close their application. So first come, first serve. Basically. First yeah. So that was an, another added pressure. Like I have to get this in like now, because if I check back in an hour, it might be closed. Um, and there was really no way to tell. And obviously once they're closed, they're closed. So that was kind of one of the biggest stressors. So you want to, you know, you're trying to get out the applications to the places that you want to go to the most first while still making sure that it's a quality application. Because obviously if you're just cranking them out and not really putting in any effort, you're probably not going to get an extended interview. So it's, it's a balancing act of trying to get these things done, but also making it a quality application that will actually get you somewhere. Mm-hmm. Do you have any tips for listeners that didn't match phase two and how they could kind of ease into that process to handle this such a stressful situation like looking back one thing you definitely said it's first come first serve so knowing that hey get these in as quick as possible that because that will be in your benefit but any other tips like maybe just in case like request that monday off the following day for match day because i think it's usually on a friday so maybe requesting that monday off or different things that that you might have done or thought wish you would have done to help um, with the process. Yeah. So as far as having time off, I think that definitely would be beneficial. I feel like depending on the rotation site that you're at, that you're at, I feel like a lot of people do get match day off kind of for that reason. Um, I didn't get match day off. So I had to go into work that morning. So I actually found out that I didn't match like while I was at, um, the hospital, but the pharmacist that I was with that day, you know, understood that like now I'm in this phase two process that I need to get started on. So they actually let me leave early to go home and work on stuff so I could get these applications out. And I think if someone finds themselves in that same position where they have to be on rotation that day, I don't think they should be, you know, embarrassed or anything to ask their preceptor if they can maybe go home that day, like go home early or try to, you know, find a little more time to, to work on this stuff. Obviously, you know, your patient care comes first. And if you're in that kind of rotation where you're expected to be on rounds or whatever it may be, then, you know, you might just kind of have to deal with it. Um, as it comes, but I feel like a lot of most preceptors are going to understand that this is, you know, a tough process and that you, you know, you're going to need a little extra time to kind of get yourself oriented and get yourself organized so that you can, you know, be successful the second time around. Personally, what I did when I got home that day was I sat down and I made a list of, I went through all the open programs that were remaining of which there were several. I went through those programs and I made a list um, of the ones that I wanted to apply to. And then I ranked that list in order of importance, you know, in order of which place do I see myself at, which place do I want to be at the most. And that's the order that I went in when I was going through um, 
and writing my new letters of, of intent and getting all that stuff ready. And that's the order that I applied in. So I could at least try and knock out the ones that I really wanted first, because I knew now that these deadlines were fluid. Um, so I had to try and get this stuff done as soon as possible. As far as easing into the process, I don't think there's an easy way to ease, it, like, ease into it because you don't expect that you're not going to match, you know? Yeah. That's, it's, you know, it's a thought in the back of your mind, but it doesn't hit you until you see that email that says, you know, we regret to inform you that you didn't match. So I think in terms of expediting the process, obviously everyone has their kind of basic letters of intent and stuff already ready. And you don't know what programs are going to be left in phase two. You don't know who's going to match with someone and who's not. So it's hard to kind of predict or, you know, have those new letters ready because you don't know what's going to be available. But I think if you have a good like backbone letter of intent that you can kind of customize and just add a little bit to here and there um, to each different site, new site that you're applying to, that'll make it all easier versus having to kind of draft a whole new one from scratch. Unless you feel that your letter of intent was maybe the reason why you didn't get a lot of you didn't have a lot of success the first time around, then maybe it is better to kind of start from scratch. But I think just trying to set yourself up and have those things kind of at the ready, just in case is probably the best way to kind of prepare for that. Because you really can't, because you, like I said, you don't know who's going to match, who's not going to match, what's going to be available, if it's going to interest you, whatever is left. So it's, it's hard to kind of predict what you're going to need um, if you do end up having to go into phase two. Crystal. Welcome again to the podcast. Your presence is long overdue. We're really glad to have you. But I wanted to ask you a question because I know for some people, they really feel like I have to match phase one, right? Some people will end up having a bunch of interviews. And even if the program is not a good fit for them, or they had a bad interview or they weren't feeling it, they'll still rank every single program, right? And maybe get a suboptimal fit. So my question to you is, these programs that were still available in phase two, were they programs you felt like were still quality programs? Because I know a big mistake people may have is just ranking everything in phase one rather than like only ranking what you have. So if you do have to go into phase two, maybe there's better programs rather than settling for a program you don't like in phase one. So like, what were the quality of programs like for phase two that you feel? I definitely think there was a lot of quality programs remaining because personally what I was looking for when I was going into phase two um, were programs that suited my interest. So I have an interest in emergency medicine. So I was obviously looking at places that had an emergency medicine elective that had a more robust emergency medicine program, um, so, you know, places that would suit my needs. I didn't want to go somewhere that didn't suit those needs just to go somewhere, you know, because then I don't get anything out of it. I'm taking that spot from somebody else that might get something out of it. It's hard to say, like looking back now, when I was in that phase one spot, it's hard to like at that time, I would have probably, I, I think I ranked everything. Obviously you have your preferences as to what you want versus what you don't want. But in that moment, it's hard to tell yourself like, no, I don't want to rank this because maybe it's not the best fit because you're just so worried about matching anywhere, you know? But I think it is important to kind of sit once you do have your interviews um, and you do get to meet the people that you're going to work with and, and your RPDs and stuff. I think it is important to kind of sit and think on, can I see myself at this place? Like, how did I feel speaking to these people? Do I feel like I'm going to fit in there? Because residency is, you know, tough, obviously, as you guys know, it's you, know, you kind of hit the ground running and it's, it's made exponentially harder if you don't enjoy the people that you're with or the environment that you're in. So I think if you sit for an interview and you automatically get that feeling that 
you know, for one reason or another, I just don't fit in here. I don't see myself here. I don't think I'll be happy here. Then it's maybe best to kind of not rank that. Or, you know, if you think that you're the kind of person that could just deal with that to rank them lower, you know, it's, it's obviously, it's a very personal choice. Some people rank wherever just, you know, just to get their residency under their belt and that's okay too. But as far as, you know, matching or I should say ranking in phase one, just because you're afraid of what's going to be in phase two. I think I was surprised at the amount of quality programs that were left in phase two. I think there's a lot of reasons why quality programs don't match in phase one. I think, you know, obviously they're ranking, you know, the same top candidates as other places and, you know, that candidate can only go to one place. So I think it's just the way the algorithm works, the way that match process works behind the scenes. Like it just happens to work out that a lot of quality places don't match the first time around and it's not for you know a lack of them being a program or anything like that it's just the way that you know the kind of process panned out but I felt like there was at least for what I was looking for um, in a program there was a lot of options for me to choose from in phase two so I didn't feel like I got shorted you know or anything in phase two I still feel like I had a lot of quality programs left to apply to but again in terms of when you're making that decision in phase one if to rank a program or not it's a very personal decision. It just kind of comes down to, can you see yourself there for a year dealing with all the things that you're going to have to do in addition to being with the people that you met, you know? So it's, it's a personal decision, but obviously if you don't, if you already can tell that you're not going to be happy somewhere, then it's probably in your best interest not to rank it, but to each his own, you know? I agree with you on that. And I actually did look at the programs that were left for phase two, just because I was interested, even though I did match phase one. I think I counted about three or four. I looked briefly, just but about like three or four programs. I was like, oh, I'll, just by the name, I was like, I would apply to this. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there would be more programs if I would have had to look further into the programs to see what they offered. There would have been more that I was interested in. So that kind of was a relief because I know we kind of talked about this on a previous episode, Sean and I, how I did rank somebody that I wasn't that high on. And I was like, I hope I don't end up there. <laughs> Yeah, you know, and that's, I'm glad. I think think we all find ourselves there. Like, yeah, it's not my ideal place, but like, it's better than nothing. And like, you know, I can understand that mentality, but at the time, it sounds like a good idea until you're actually there 12, 13 hours a day. And you're like, man, (laughs) nothing might have been better than this, you know? So, exactly. Nothing might have been better having the option because I think you really get to be selective when it comes to the phase two process that it's almost like, depending on how you mentally look at it, you are kind of controlling a film more of the narrative because there's limited sites, yes, but you know exactly which ones are open and they want somebody. Yeah. <laughs> we all know they want a resident. So yeah. I feel like you're even more desired um, when it's the opposite way in phase one. And did you kind of feel that way during the interview process? Like, did you feel maybe things were more catered to you or they were really trying to dive in and spend more time to get to know you because they had less candidates to interview like that day, for example? Yeah, I definitely think so. I think in terms of like the interviews, you could definitely feel a difference. You know, phase one interviews were, like I said, all the affairs, you know, 8 to 4.30, you're in like three different breakout rooms, you have (laughs) a case, the presentation, you know, all this stuff and you're meeting a bunch of people. But phase two interviews were much more, intimate honestly it was honestly you the rpd maybe like somebody you know a couple clinical pharmacists um somebody else from management you know was much more it was much smaller interview group and they made more of an effort to ask those kinds of 
situational interview questions versus kind of having you sit there and present. Not that I didn't give presentations because I did. And there was sometimes instead of a presentation, there was a case, but it was much more consolidated. It was either an inter- like a case or um, a presentation. And I feel like a lot of sites lean more towards the case because it shows them how you think and they get more out of that than a presentation that you've already done. And they want to spend the, the limited time that they do have with you getting to know you and seeing if you'll be a good fit there. Just like you want to see if they're a good fit for you, they want to see if you're a good fit for them. So they're going to spend that limited time that they have with you, asking you those more situational questions to see how you think, how you handle yourself, um, you know, how you cope with stress, those kinds of things. I feel like that was always the kind of bulk of the interview is just kind of sitting and talking and then getting to know you and you're getting to know them. I feel like that's how the phase two interviews went. All right. Thank you for that. Now, what are some things that you think may have led to you not matching phase one? You know, I feel like it was a lot of factors, honestly, that all kind of culminated into me not matching. I think the biggest thing that was out of my control anyways, was I feel like this, especially this year, you know, with, or this past match cycle with COVID and everything was kind of unprecedented. And even the cycle before this, like when they were kind of going into COVID, they still had like in-person interviews. People still had to fly for interviews, you know, travel out of um, state for interviews, which obviously is a limiting factor for a lot of people. But this time around when everything was virtual, I feel like there was just such a massive influx of candidates of quality candidates from everywhere. You know, you could be across the country and apply to a program and not have to fly across the country to interview. You know what I mean? Which I think, you know, obviously when you have such an influx of good candidates, the competition that was already there gets even, you know, bigger. You know, you have more people to stand out against, which can make it difficult depending on, you know, how you did in school, if you were super involved, um, you know, what your GPA was, all that kind of stuff, how strong your letters of recommendation are, which I feel like I was a good candidate, you know, don't get me wrong, but when you're going up against, you know, 20, 30, 40% more people than you would have otherwise, it's kind of harder to make yourself stand out. So I feel like that was the biggest thing that was out of my control anyways, that might have led to that. As far as things that maybe I could have done better now that I've had time to like, you know, reflect on it, think about, um, how I, you know, portrayed myself and how I, you know, came across in my interview materials and stuff. Um, I think the biggest thing that I could have maybe worked on, or I guess taken more risks on would be my letters of intent. You know, I, I feel like I went the more traditional kind of route with letters of intent in terms of, you know, how I talked about the program, how I tried to relate to the program, how I sold myself and the things I've done. Perhaps if I've taken if I had taken more risks with my letters of intent, if I had kind of taken some more unconventional approaches that might've helped me stand out more amongst yeah. all the candidates, um, which might've fared better for me. And then another thing that I think was to my detriment was I didn't have a lot of clinical rotations before phase one. I had kind of just had like community and care and like one kind of clinical rotation, which I feel like a lot of sites when you're looking at the requirements, ask for at least, you know, one or two letters of recommendation from a quote unquote clinical preceptor of a more, you know, clinical based rotation, which put me at kind of, kind of a loss because I hadn't had those experiences yet. The bulk of my clinical rotations were at the end of the year. So I didn't have any preceptors to speak to my clinical abilities, you know, maybe just one or two. And there were some programs that I couldn't even apply to because I didn't have enough of those clinical rotations under my belt. 
to have, you know, preceptors to speak to my abilities in those areas. So I feel like those were like the places where I, you know, that were to my detriment where I could have done a little better that might've maybe skewed things in my favor. And that's unfortunate too, because you're not really in control of your rotation schedule. Like you can try to switch it around, but you get what you get. And so that's kind of unfortunate. And I've heard from multiple, um, even some pharmacists we know, I don't want to say names, but we can talk about off air. <laughs> but have told me like, oh, maybe I would have done a residency if I had like an AMCA rotation earlier in the year. Or maybe I would have done a PGY2 in cardiology instead of this if I would have experienced this before um, that timeline ended. And it's so unfortunate that it seems a lot of people what holds them back is that timeline, you know, when their rotations are scheduled can kind of prevent them from pursuing something that's actually one of their dreams. Cause then it's like, all right, now I have to wait a whole nother year for mm-hmm. this. And by that, that's a long time to wait and you just get busy. You'll find a job and you'll just stick with the grind by that. Time. So, and, and it's tough. It's tough. Definitely. And that's something that we've recommended before. And I'll always recommend trying to get the most, useful rotations first you know mm-hmm. trying not to get your break early in your in your time frame like get that around residence when um residency interviews or fellowship interviews are going on get that later in your in your fourth year or mm-hmm. third year if you go to a three-year university like larkin mm-hmm. like get get that break later in the year get as many clinical rotations as you can in so you can have more experience and more possible letter of recommendations mm-hmm. um whenever you start applying for any type of position. So that's definitely, um, I think a great point that you mentioned and people listening, definitely, definitely. If you have your clinical rotations later in the year, try switching it, try your best to switch it. So that way you can be as prepared as possible for any um, upcoming interviews. And in the, what should I say? It's probably late, like late fall, early winter for fellowships in about um, like February, March for um, residencies for sure. Yeah, I think it just gives you more to speak to during interviews. And then also it gives you, like I said before, more opportunity to get better letters of recommendation from, you know, more of those clinical preceptors that a lot of places are looking for, especially if you're, if you're saying that you have an interest in, you know, critical care or emergency medicine or, you know, those more, you know, clinical, you know, kind of specialist positions, having somebody who does that already speak to your abilities um, and your potential, I think goes a long way in helping you get to match at those at those kinds of sites. Now, if you didn't match phase two, would you have gone through with the scramble? Um, you know, I looked at, I wouldn't have been against it. I looked at the scramble positions, you know, like what was left mm-hmm. just out of curiosity. Um, and I didn't see, I feel like the, the pickings got a lot more slim. In yes. the scramble, um, I didn't see places that I would have applied to in the scramble. So I don't think I would have gone through with it just because of that. Obviously, if there was places that I still could see myself at, then I would have applied, you know, if I had had to. But um, from what I saw, it was very few positions left um, for the scramble. And they were really more, they weren't geared towards what I was interested in. So it would have been, it wouldn't have been beneficial for me to go through that. I think if I hadn't um, matched in phase two, I would have just gone the route of, you know, going for my board, sitting for my exams, passing that and try to find, um, you know, a staff pharmacist job at a hospital, a pro diem or something like that. Um, retail has never been for me. So I don't think I would have gone that route <laughs> straight out. Maybe if I, you know, was still looking for a job, I would have considered it, but I think I would try, you know, to go for one of those 
you know, staff pharmacist jobs at a hospital, even if it's per diem, just to kind of get, you know, used to, to staffing and, and learning how that kind of works from that perspective. But it didn't come to that, fortunately. Thankfully, yeah. Yeah. Credit to you, because I don't know how many people you talk to from our class, but there's been a couple individuals from our class who've been in match phase one and they just did not want to go through the phase two process. So a lot of props to you for having perseverance, for having grit and being willing to grind through it mm-hmm. and go through that whole entire process again on such short notice, which yeah. is very challenging being on rotations. Yeah. And when the first time around was challenging for yeah, us. Yeah. Um, so that's just, you know, incredible to hear. And I'm so glad that you're able to match um, here at Celebration that we're co-resies. Mm-hmm. And we do we do we have any time together? Right? I don't know. I go upstairs in like a month. I go in oh. in like a month. I'm always there, so I'm sure we'll we'll cross paths. <laughs> we'll have some fun together. Perfect. So that was it for the questions that I had. Sean, did you have any extra questions? Yeah, I just had a quick question. Um, it sounds like it's kind of a process to, I guess, like after not matching somewhere like just kind of like the motivation behind like all right I didn't match and then now I have to put re-put in all this work again maybe like a quicker pace do you have any I guess advice to anybody who's going through this like to I guess get your gears clicking again and get that motor rerunning to like all right I got to do this need to put these applications together like I can do this in a short period of time like I guess is there any like advice or any words of motivation that you have for people that are going to be going through this possibly inspire them inspire them (laughs) We need a gym. We need a gym. Yeah, we, we need, need a, a gym. We need like a like a bomb crusher. So Crystal says this, and now everybody yes. who doesn't match phase one will match phase two. <laughs> Honestly, I think in terms of you know, kind of finding the motivation to go through phase two. It may not be the gem that you want to hear, but it's honestly, it comes down to the person and where you see yourself and what you want for yourself in the future. Personally, you know, when I think of my career, um, you know, 10, 15 years from now, I see myself in an ED as a clinical pharmacist, um, providing you know, direct patient care. That's, that's what I want to do with my life, with my career, you know? And I know that for better or for worse, the path to that involves doing residency. So when I didn't match phase one, you know, obviously I was disappointed you know disheartened to hear that I hadn't it was a mix of emotions really because I was disappointed for you know myself that I had to go through this process again but it was also so excited for like my friends who had matched because I could see them kind of progressing everything that we have worked so hard for they're getting you know they're seeing the the reaping the rewards of that and I you know I obviously you kind of deal with that disappointment you have to channel that energy you know it doesn't it would not have done me any good to sit at home and sulk and be sad that I didn't match. Obviously you can allow yourself to feel that, but at some point you have to turn the energy around and, and like channel it into something useful. You know, as soon as I got home, I sat, I processed that I hadn't matched and I was like, okay, well, it's not going to do me any good to sit home and be sad. Yeah. I got to get to work. <laughs> I have to figure this out because residency is what I want to do because it's going to help me get to where I want to be. So you know, you are allowed to feel sad and, you know, disheartened that you didn't match. But at the same time, you know, you have to, you can't let it discourage you from getting to where you want to be. And I think that's a very personal decision that people have to make. You know, if residency is something that you really want, it's totally doable. There's lots of really good, 
quality candidates that don't match phase one, that end up matching phase two and do amazing things, you know? And you have to want to see yourself in that position to kind of push yourself to get there, you know, sitting there and feeling sad for yourself is not going to do you any favors. You have to be the one to put in that work again and push yourself to get to where you want to go. So, but it's, like I said, it's a very personal choice. Some people may just say, you know, I don't want to deal with this again. I don't want to, you know, I have so much going on with rotations and, you know, maybe it's not really what I want with myself. Maybe I didn't apply for the right reasons. And you kind of have to sit and think on that and think, okay, is this really what I want to do? Is it worth going through this process again? And some people feel that it isn't, you know, some people kind of applied phase one just because they thought it was expected of them because they thought that was the next natural step in their career. And I think when they don't match, they realize like, okay, wait, maybe this isn't what I want. And that's totally fine, you know, because it's not for everybody, but it was for me and I had to make it happen. And I'm glad you said that. And I hope people have learned that from us, Sean, and people that reach out to us for advice, current students that are interested in a residency, that you have to have a very strong resolve. Like your determination, your reasoning for doing a residency has to be true to your core. Don't don't just do one to do one because you're not going to enjoy that experience. You're not going to get anything out of it. Working what is it like 55 to like 80 hours a week (laughs) getting paid very little. So it's like, who enjoys that? Nobody does. I wouldn't, if I didn't have, you know, goals that involved having to a residency, I don't think I would have applied because you Um, know, for what? 100%. Exactly. So it's, you know, you, you bring up a good point to where maybe if you didn't match phase one and you don't apply phase two, maybe you were just doing that to do that. Maybe that's not, what really aligns with your core and that's this is what aligned with your core and that's what pushed you to not give up and to keep going and that's how you know you're pursuing something that you're truly passionate about because you're not letting any obstacle get in your way and that's super commendable i think that's something that is definitely inspirational to any of us if you know applying for pgy2s or applying for jobs i don't get one i can get it the next time because crystal did it There we go. Anybody can do it. <laughs> I'm not gonna say anybody, but <laughs> but yeah, so made it possible. Thank you, Crystal. Yes, thank you for dropping that uh, knowledge. So I have got the episode title from what you said. I oh, have geez. phase two. Channel that energy. Okay. Channel that energy. That could be like a a pod segue. We could have like a, a yoga session. And Crystal will be the voice of reason. I don't think I'm anybody's voice of reason. Ever. <laughs> All right, we're going to have to cancel the spinoff podcast. <laughs> cross it off the list. Never mind. Well, um, yeah, yeah. We'll put that on hold. We'll put that on hold for now. We'll convince her later. Think about it. Yeah, think about it. You got nothing but time, right? <laughs> yeah, you know. Absolutely. I have nothing else to be doing right now. <laughs> come on. You can you can take on one more resident project. Like, come on. It's just come one on. more. Yeah, why not? It could be a research project. The more the merrier. Yeah, of course. You got you to pad the CV if you're going to go for a, for a PGY2. So let's cross that bridge when we get there. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll channel that energy later. We'll channel that energy later on, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Well, thank you so much, Crystal. This has been a blast. Uh, I hope everybody listening definitely were able to learn something from you and also truly understand what it takes to get through 
not only phase one, but also phase two of the match process. And to also even want to be a resident, there's got to be something that you truly desire, something that's truly motivating you and that you're truly passionate about for you to want to go through this um, entire process. So for any of our listeners that have any questions or would love to reach out to you, what would be the best way for them to contact you? They could email me any time of day and I'll respond when I can. I'm always on my phone, always computer, always working. So True. she's okay. not lying. <laughs> she works very, very hard. So she is she's always <laughs> she's always, always working. Always um, there. <laughs> yeah. Always there and always working. And as always, you know, we're here to help you all. So if there's anything you guys wish we would cover, anything new, a different topic, please feel free to reach out to us on an Instagram page, on Facebook, and we'll definitely try to create that content for you. And um, if there's any feedback, any recommendations, please, please, please definitely reach out to us and let us know. We're always trying to improve and get better. Um, be on the lookout for a new logo. Uh, that's something that we've been we've been working on for a while. So that's going to be coming soon. I'm super excited about that. So a lot, a lot of a lot of brand new things will be coming. Hopefully they'll start dropping um, by 2022. But just be on the lookout, everybody. Sean, Sean's eyebrows are raising right now because he doesn't even know this. <laughs> new logo alert. Okay. Yeah, new logo alert. alert. So all right. Um, yeah, we got we got some new exciting things coming up soon. So thank you all for listening. Uh, we greatly appreciate it. And thank you again, Crystal, for being so willing to be open and honest with everybody. I know a lot of people don't want to talk about something that they might view as a failure, but you definitely, from what we heard today, it seems more as something that was just another challenge that you had to overcome. And you definitely did that. Thank you for having me. Of course, anybody can re reach out to me with any questions. Okay.